0: last year I went to five countries in Europe that total trip cost me $388 that included round-trip tickets travel between countries and lodging. and that was for a week and a half and so it doesn't cost that much it's all about what we want to spend our money on
1: though hey y'all you are listening to the spiritual Home Girl where we discuss all things concerning self-development and bettering our spirit, but from the homie perspective, somebody that's going through the journey day by day, just like you. Hey, y'all, it's your girl Maria, and we're back with another episode of the Spiritual Homegirl Podcast. Before I get started, just want to thank y'all for checking me out out of all of the podcasts that are out there in podcast land. You give me an hour of your time, and I know with adulting and work, and kids, and spouses, and just life in general, dreams, aspirations, there's so many things that you could do with your time, and I'm really glad that you give me an hour of yours once a week, and that means the world to me. Also, shout out to Sarah Makiba, Wala Umoja. April's Deep Cotton 87, Reality Knox, Jackie Rose. It's been a lot of y'all that retweeted this uh, two-part episode with Vagisteem. I mean, hell, even Vagisteam herself. Miss Vanessa, thank you so much for interviewing with me, and I really appreciate that. Um, and I look forward to further collaborations in the future. That was our first collab episode, and um, I really enjoyed myself. But moving on to this week's guest, we have Darnell Lamont Walker. Now, this man is, is a renaissance man indeed. He's an activist. He's a filmmaker. He also is an intellectual. He's a well uh, educated, well traveled man. And his story was interesting because I had yet to have, and guess who was traveling as much as he did? Like every time I looked, he was always damn going somewhere. And I'm like, how are you able to travel? And that's when I started learning more about his story and I realized that, you know, he's a filmmaker and he was based out of LA and now he's also based out of Johannesburg, South Africa. And I know there's a lot of us that are millennials and especially millennials of color who would like to travel, but we're still stuck in that matrix, that nine to five or the matrix of financial illiteracy or, you know, financial instability. And we just want to get out and explore the world. And we don't know how. I think for those who are Wondering how to do that, this episode with Darnell will really point you in the right direction. We talk about how he grew up in Charlottesville, Virginia. Yes, that's Charlottesville. And how he was able to find his creative voice. How he merged his creative voice with it, you know, being an activist. How he ended up becoming a filmmaker and then ultimately venturing all across the world. And how that's manifested into a company called Passport Required. Where if you're looking for a good time overseas with a backpack and a passport you guys can um, definitely have one hell of a bucket list trip. And based on what he was telling me in this episode, I don't want to spoil it, but based on what he was saying, it sounds like something even I would do. And, you know, me, I don't really like to, you know, go into things where I'm not 100% aware of what's going on, but it definitely sounds like a lot of adventure. But I definitely enjoy myself. Darnell, you so dope. Thank you for interviewing. So with that being said, y'all, enjoy. It's your girl Maria, the spiritual homegirl, and I'm speaking with Darnell Lamont Walker. How are you?
0: I'm good. What's happening?
1: Not much, just trying to get your perspective about expanding your horizons and traveling and all the different things that you do and how you incorporate it into your journey. So, with that being said, who is Darnell Lamont Walker?
0: Above all the things I do, I'm, I'm a writer. So, I write. I've always been a writer. But I'm also just this open guy who's open to the universe, open to the world, open to whatever's coming. So that's brought in filmmaking. Um, I went to an art show one time and hated all the art. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to be an artist. I'm going I'm to have an art show in two weeks. <laughs> so I went home and I painted some stuff and found a gallery that was like, yeah, we'd love to hang your stuff and put it up. And then all of a sudden I was like the Kim Kardashian of the art world. Like nobody knew why I was here, how I got there, but I was there. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I just do it all. Like, I, I'm an artist title, which is cool. Um, but I'm a writer above everything. And now I'm a, an explorer. Uh, we don't have many explorers left, you know, like the Lewis and Clark, although they were going out there and raping, like, 13-year-olds. You know, that's crazy. But me, I'm an, I'm a true explorer. I like to go out into the world and meet with the people and eat with the people and, and just build relationships and and just live. And so... That's who I am, uh, and I'm all about happiness. So if it doesn't make me happy, I don't do it. Uh, If I think it'll make me happy, I'm going to try it at least three times until I realize that, hey, this doesn't work, or hey, I love it. And that's me.
1: That's really interesting. So were you always a person that was artistic growing up and wanted to always explore, or did you grow into that to where you discovered it?
0: No, I was. I've always been – I've always been that artistic kid. Like, I remember being in preschool and and elementary school, and my teachers used to always push me toward the creative projects because they just saw that in me. So they pushed me into, like, the enrichment programs after school and um, several, like, gifted programs for kids who might be artists, kids who might be speakers, kids who might be this. And so they would always push me. Uh, And at the time, I didn't really think much of it. It wasn't until I got older I was like, huh either they pushed me, like, I, you know, at, at one point I didn't know if they pushed me into becoming that person or if they saw that person in me and I just became, and, and I just followed through with whatever that destiny was. Um, but yeah, I've always been that guy. I think I started writing as a kid and watching the Cosby show. And I remember it was an episode when Rudy wrote a fairy tale and uh, that, that really, I you know, said, so you know what, I want to write something. So I wrote this story and it was about this kid who ran away from home. And I came home. I I was seven. I came home, and my my folks were in the living room, and they had just found my story, and they were in there crying, and they thought it was like a true story about me running away from home. And I was like, dang, I must be good. I was like, I must be good. They they thought this story was real, okay. And so, and from that moment on, I was like, I guess I'm a writer. And so it's always been in me uh, to just create something. Uh, And then the older I get, uh, it changes, like. You know, I started off as a writer, then I became a playwright, uh, moved to Los Angeles and got into television and film, and it just it kept growing and growing and growing, and it's still going. You know, I got into documentaries uh, two years ago um, and started producing and directing, and so it, it's growing, and I love it.
1: So for those who don't know, where is your hometown?
0: Uh, so my hometown is Charlottesville, Virginia, Uh smack dab in the middle of Virginia. Uh, and now everyone, no one knew Charlottesville before this. I used to have to say 45 minutes from Richmond. We're about two hours from D.C. Now I just say Charlottesville. And people are like, oh, shit, the Klan.
1: Oh, shit. Uh, oh, Lord. That's white supremacy, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah,
0: that's, that's it. <laughs> Has
1: Charlottesville always been that way?
0: Yeah, I remember being, uh, when I was a kid, I used to get stopped by the cops all the time. White cops used to stop me just running around in the park. You know, like, why, why are you running from us? I'm like, I'm not running for you. I'm playing tag with my friends. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlottesville has always been this place that black people got no respect. It's, ex- it's extreme here. Uh, but it's also, what's strange about Charlottesville is that for the last, uh at least for the last 15, 17 years, we've been like one of the top three places in the U S to live. One of the top places to raise children. One of the, uh, number one, most, well, like number five, like most romantic places in the U S and it's like all these top statistics, uh, number one, smartest place, uh, place in the U S. And it's crazy because black people here are like, where are y'all getting these numbers from? Like, are you hiding us when you when you do these things? Because if people come and see what's really happening here, these facts, these these statistics can not be facts because they like one they they took the black neighborhood, uh, which is called Vinegar Hill back in the 60s um, and just left it and and put all the black folks in the hood, you know, built projects and was like, here y'all can live here. Uh, of course, your husbands can't live with you, but we're going to take your houses and in the name of urban renewal. And so now what happened was they built, like, all these uh, commercial properties, um, sold the the rest of the property to white folks, and then they're looking at us like, but why are y'all mad? You know, the, the city is, is for you guys too. And we're like, there's nothing here for us. And it's funny because every time I come home now, more and more of my friends are disappearing and I can't find them. Um, and they can't afford to live in the city anymore. They're, like, 45 minutes out in, like, bum Virginia where there's nothing but, like, cattle and horses and chicken. And I'm like, why are you out there? They're like, we can't afford to live in the city anymore. We uh, had to sell our house or we had to get rid of our apartment or, you know, whatever. Um, and so Charlottesville has always been that. Uh, what What's put it on the map now is that White folks are offended, and so when it was just black folks who were mad, it wasn't a, it wasn't a big deal. But now, you know, they uh, they killed Heather Heyer, the white girl, on August twelfth during the during the white nationalist rally. She died, and so that really launched it into like this new this this other thing where you see this hashtag, not my Charlottesville or not my UVA, and, I, and all the black folks were like, this is exactly your Charlottesville. This has been happening to us for the last what? 400 years, uh, I think what the slaves got here, got to Virginia in 1607 or 1619. Um, So at least for the fourth, the last 398 years, this has been happening. Uh, And what's crazy at the city council meeting, they decided to rename the street where the girl was killed after her and all the black folks are like, so you, so black folks came down there to protest for equality and justice. And this white girl came down there to do the same. She died, and you named the street after the white girl who came down there to fight for all the black people who have lost their lives. And it's like, so it's like, damn, white privilege is crazy, man. Like, <laughs> and, they, and they don't see a problem with it. It was like a unanimous vote, and we got a brother on the city council, you know. And so it's like, what, what is wrong with y'all?
1: It, it sounds like it's just business as usual, which is unfortunate. Twenty what? Twenty five years later?
0: Yeah, it's like the day after the election, you know. Uh, black folks woke up like, well, it's another Wednesday, you know? <laughs> then still be a fucked oh, up world, man. you know. It's like, uh, business as usual. Keep it going.
1: I can only imagine. you Because you're telling me how Charlottesville has always been. And then I just thought about you just saying that as a child, you've been pulled over by the police. So how mm-hmm. did that, your how you grew up, how does that affect your artistry?
0: Oh, man, like I was, uh, um, I was, Like, I'm a writer, so I I was like this mad poet for a long time, you know, one of those white folks are the devil, and I don't trust the kind. I still don't trust police officers, but it's really um, now I'm able to use that energy toward other things. But um, as far as helping to hone other writers, I open up spaces outside of the U.S and created safe spaces. Like, I understand the importance of leaving this space as an artist and creating outside of this because, you know, sometimes just feeling free will help you create other things. Um, while you're here, it's like this this energy that just comes over you and just you just create this dark stuff. And uh, so I'm trying to – so I, it took a while to, to really get into, like, creating some of the lighter stuff and stuff about – love and and uh, freedom and being open to the universe and being open to relationships, um, friendships, and, and all of that stuff. Uh, and so, it, it, yeah, it, it really played into it. Uh, and so now, I like I even, as, I guess, I, I don't know what I would call it. I guess as a producer or as a facilitator, you know, I, I have these places around, the world and friends around the world who've opened their place to to other artists and say hey listen i know that it's heavy where you are i know that you know with black people being killed every day and on the news and da, da da uh i want you to come here and create and let's see what you can create when your mind isn't really focused on all that other bullshit uh and so that's really it's really played into it it's heavy that way uh and i still come home and i still fight like i'm home every few uh every few months now come back and go to the city council meetings and use my talent. use uh write like the other day after the city council meeting. I wrote about them renaming the street after uh, the white girl. Uh, and I always use my talent for that as well. So it, it plays into a pretty heavy. I,
1: I, yeah, you just laid that down flat for me because I was wondering. I'm like, oh, that that makes complete sense. It's like channeling, but you're trying to find a way to channel that into something yeah. more um, light. Yeah, that makes complete sense to me. But you have a film company, correct?
0: I do. It's called uh, Evolutionary Press Film. I, had to, I basically had to get in there and teach myself because folks like to overcharge you and your friends who you thought were going to help always say, oh, yeah, I can help you. I just need like $2,000, and you ain't got $2,000. So it kind of worked out where I had to learn how to do everything myself, uh, which was cool. Um, but, yeah, we've been going for a couple years now, and it's pretty—it's getting stronger and stronger and stronger. We're creating more films as we go along, and now we've gotten into a space where we're looking to help other people produce work. And so it's cool.
1: That's dope. So how did you begin traveling?
0: Oh, man. Uh, so I've always been a traveler. I, when I was a kid, I, uh, half my family, my mom's side, um, they live in Detroit. And so every summer she would just put me on a plane and say, hey, you're going to Detroit for a couple months, whatever. And I was cool. So this is like Yeah, Well, maybe seven, eight years old. Uh, and so it's always just been a part of my life. Um, and then one day I was, you know, as an adult, I was sitting at work. I graduated college, went to, came back to Virginia for a year. Um, a year? Yeah, a little bit under a year. Um, Because it was in that time where, dang, I graduated, I need to use this degree, I paid this money, blah, blah, blah. And I was sitting at work, hated my job, and Craigslist was kind of new at the time. And so I went into the friends section and I created this ad in three different cities in the U.S. And I was like, hey, I've never been to this city. Um, Looking to make friends here. I will come visit. And this old couple hit me up. And they were like, hey, you should come to Tucson. We'd love to have you. We'll buy your ticket. You can come stay with us. And I was like, this sounds absolutely crazy. But you know what? I hate my job enough. I'm going to do it. They bought me a ticket. I went and stayed with them for a week. And I stayed on this ranch kind of thing. and oh, wow. uh it, it was amazing. Like, I, we just chilled out and just hung out for like a week. I got back home uh, Monday morning, went to work, and I was sitting at work. And that afternoon, I said, you know what? Thursday's my last day. What? Yeah, bought me a plane ticket to Seattle, hopped the flight, moved to Seattle, and that kind of started it all because I, you know, going out there with those folks in Tucson, it was sort of like, man, you know, as, as it was still in the U.S., but as small as the U.S. wasn't as, as, and that wasn't such a big deal. I was like, you know, the world is the world is cool. I need to go see more of this. People are good. Most people are good. And and it really made me see that people are good, the world is good, energy is good. If you open yourself up to new experiences, everything can happen. And so after that, I just started buying tickets. I was just here, there, going, going, going. Um, and then as time went on, I was like, I need to, I need to see more. So I saw the, I saw all of the U.S. I think I've driven across country, taking different routes about seven times. Um, and then I was there I took a job because um, I from like the entertainment field and uh so i took a job with the corporation with a major uh, film company out in uh la and i had a month off from work and i said you know if my check is good if my check is nice enough i'm, I'm just going to go backpack through europe and my check was cool i bought a ticket uh to belgium and then just hopped around europe with a backpack and that was it and i you know and meeting people and talking to them and realizing that, hey, travel is the way to go. Travel is cheap. Travel is fun. Travel is amazing. And, and it just started from that.
1: That sounds like some shit out of a book. I'll be completely honest with you. Man decides <laughs> to hate his job. Man puts out an ad. Man goes to, a, you know, to Tucson. Next thing he knows, gets back on Monday, Thursday, not even a whole damn week, not even five days, mm-hmm. he says, okay, it's a wrap. I'm gonna quit my job and I'm gonna go travel for however long I feel like it. Yeah, that's a pretty crazy no past past I, story.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was crazy because I like, like I'm horrible. I'm a horrible planner. Like planning is not my thing, and I realized that. And so I, when I left that Thursday, I got to Seattle. I realized I hadn't told anybody. Uh, I didn't have a place to stay. <laughs> I didn't have a place to live. So I landed and called one of my uh, one of my fraternity brothers, and I was like, Hey, listen. Uh, I just landed in Seattle because he lived there, and he's from there. And I was like, uh, I need a place to stay. He's like, Man, I just got back. I just got back myself. I'm staying in my mom's spot. I was like, Well, tell your mom I need somewhere to stay. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and he did. He was like, Yeah, that's fine. Um, y'all, y'all can stay here. And she had a house. Um, she owned a house across uh, not across town, but not too far from her house. Uh, and she was like, Well, my tenants are moving out. It's a two bedroom. Uh, if y'all want to do that. Uh, just give me three weeks. So I was like, cool. And so moved into that. And then I just started traveling some more, traveling some more. <laughs> you know, and it was, it was cool. It was crazy, but it was cool.
1: So just out of curiosity, what fraternity are you in?
0: Uh, Kappa Alpha Psi.
1: Oh, okay, okay, cool. That's what's up. Yeah. I just think it's really interesting how everything just seemed to, like, line up for you. That seemed so perfect. You had nowhere to stay. You called one of your brothers up. He's like, yo, I'm staying with my mama, but the mama owns a whole house. Not too far from where y'all are. at. Like, that just sounds
0: perfect. Like, like, damn, talk about aligned time. Oh, my God. Things have been, and that's been my life for the most part. Uh, Like, I just always think things will work out in the end, you know. Like, that's just my thing. Like, people, I got one friend, my friend Granville, he's always like, man, you just, you literally just show up places and shit works out for you. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you just got to believe that it will, <laughs> and it will, you know.
1: Talk about manifesting. Damn, you might need to come back and, and do some more talking about how you, how you manifest all these. <laughs> said. What are you doing besides believing? That's,
0: yeah, right. like I, I always wanted to do like a uh, a talk on, and basically call it, like I always say, if I do a TED talk one day or teach a class or have a lecture or something, it's going to be called, but did you die? Because that's it. It's like, listen. You not if you go out there, you're not gonna die. Like you're going to be all right as long as you have the I don't even know the word. Like as long as you are courageous and not fearful that that shit is just gonna go bad. You just have to be like, okay, listen, all right, this happened, cool. Like I've, I've been in some situations where had it been, had I been a weaker person, like things could have been. All bad. Like I got left at a border one time. Uh, We we were coming back from we were coming we were going to London from Amsterdam, and once you get to the to the edge of France, you have to cross the the Channel. And so, um, I got off the bus because we got to show we got to go through customs at the end at the edge. We got to go through two customs. We got to go through France side and then the UK side before you get on the ferry while you're on the bus or whatever. And so, cool. So. I get off the bus to show my passport, and I see the bus just pulling off. And they left me. I was there for eight hours with three criminals who tried to sneak into the country, and they got caught by customs. So I'm sitting there. It's cold. It's, no, it's mid-November. I have no coat. I'm sitting there mad. And I had to wait for a bus that's passing from Germany that, with the same company to come and pick me up across town. And so I'm sitting there, and for me, it was just like, all right, well, this is just another story I get to tell in a couple of, in a couple of days uh, or whatever. But I have friends who are like, oh, I would have died. That would have been it for me. That was like, that would have been it. <laughs> and I'm like, no, you would have been all right. It was cool, you know. I had, I had a vending machine close by, and uh, it, was, it wasn't it too bad. So, yeah, that's it, you know. And uh, so I mean, that happens. You just have to believe that the shit's going to work out.
1: Whenever you write your memoirs or do this talk, let me know so I can so I can I, read that. Because <laughs> if I you're telling it. that, like I can only imagine that's just one story of how shit didn't work oh, out, yeah, but I you made it. You got through it though.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. It gets crazy out there in the world, and I mean, but you know, you just have to believe that people are good, and the world is the world is good if you. Put good energy out there. Like it's it's all about what you put out there. Uh, Most times, I like I I agree that there are some fucked up things that that happen to people. For the most part, everything has been good for me, and I and I appreciate it. You know, I I try to take that forward.
1: (laughs) Well, that's good. So, so what is passport required?
0: Ah, so passport required. So I, I started that. Two years ago, actually, we uh, just celebrated our two-year anniversary trip. Because, um, like like I said, I travel. I travel a lot. And at this point, two years ago, I was traveling the world for the low. I mean, for like $300, $200, $400, going like as far as I could. And one day I got home uh, from a solo trip. I Actually, I think it was uh, – I just come back from Europe again. I was in Amsterdam – London, Paris, and uh, maybe Barcelona or somewhere. And um, one of my friends, he's like, "Oh man, you know, I wish I could travel like that." Uh, he's like, "You ever think about taking people with you?" And I was like, "Yeah, but you know," I said, "You know, black folks, we don't, <laughs> we don't like to travel." I was like, and um, my white friends, they, they, you know, they sometimes like to travel, but. Whenever I bring it up, nobody ends up going. And so he's like, listen, we'll just take some strangers with me. So just put it out there and take some strangers with you and see what happens. And I was like, huh, that's a good idea. So I went home that night and found a website, which is crazy because the fact that I was able to, that no one had passportrequired.com was crazy to me. And uh, so I bought that, built the site created a uh, trip and I was like, huh, I need something different. And so I created a secret trip. So what I did, I was like, Hey, everybody, I'm taking a trip in September for a week. This is how much it's going to cost. And this is all, you know, you won't know where we're going until a couple of days before we leave.
1: That's dope.
0: Yeah. And, and two people signed up for the trip and met me at the airport. And it was crazy because, you know, like, because it's, it, 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 I, I didn't know either. I, actually, I knew one person, but I didn't know the other. And it's crazy because, one, you're giving money to somebody you don't know to go somewhere you don't know. And you just have to hope that this, <laughs> that this shit is real because
1: right. this person
0: can run off with your money, any of it. And so, and she told me that at the airport, she's like, you know how crazy. She's like, I had to tell my family that we were friends for years and that I <laughs> and all kind of stuff. She's like, because you know how crazy it is to tell someone that you don't know where you're going with the stranger, uh, but it's going to be somewhere in the world? And I was like, yeah. And after that first trip, like, it was like this life-changing thing, you know, that happens. It's like you're letting go of all your inhibitions, all, all these things you have about the world, about people, um, because we get out there and we we – talk to the people we eat with them and we eat with strangers uh and and the way i created it like no trip costs more than 900 bucks because one i want to show people that you can actually do a lot of things for a low price and 900 is relatively cheap for the kind of traveling we do like and that includes round trip ticket and lodging wow um yeah and then um two you don't like the living arrangements could be anything, like we stayed in hostels, we stayed in uh Airbnbs, uh we stayed in campgrounds and all kind of things. But you come back and it's like, Wow, that was amazing, you know, like we actually live like it's a it's an experience. Like so many people travel the world and they come back or they'll take a trip somewhere, they come back and all they have are these photos and they're like, Oh, what'd you do? Oh, you know, we saw this and we saw this and we saw this We come back from, like, a passport required trip, and you saw so much, but you all, like, so much of your life has changed. Like, we had one woman, she went on a trip in April, uh, and at this point, she had never been out of the country. So this was her first international trip. She lives by a clock. Like, everything in her life is planned out. She's, you know, she's an attorney, and and also, I, I don't let anyone bring anything more than a backpack. No. And so everything that you bring has to fit into that backpack. And so she's like I don't know how this is going to work. Uh she was so nervous. We got there, she got back and she's like, "Oh my god, this has been one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me in my life." She got back and that was in April. So, at her first trip, I think she's done 13 countries so far since April. Oh, that's amazing.
1: Really? That's yeah, that's she, that's awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah, she's like, if it wasn't for that trip, you know, showing me that this is. And, and, and that happens every single trip, you know. It's like, wow. You know, we, you find something new about you. You find out something new about yourself. And uh, and it's pretty dope.
1: Look at you changing lives through travel. I, you outfit.
0: know, I do my best. We just outfit. I, I'm like, I just show up. You you know, you do the rest. If it happens, it happens. But, you know, we have a good time. No expectations.
1: That's fly. Now you know how you know what the climate is here back in the states. You know America's perception of people of color, whether black or or anybody mm. else. That it's not a favorable one. Um, so going abroad, do you have the same issues with like discrimination or harassment or judging?
0: No, it's crazy. Um, like traveling abroad, like racism is a big thing. Um, like a lot of places, like. I had a professor in college who said that, you know, once you're once you leave America you're in the rest of the world. And it becomes so true. Like what happens is well the US is very black and white. A lot of other places they kind of disguise it with class and uh and such. I haven't had the same situation like I, in America I just you just don't feel safe. In the rest of the world, like they of course there's racism everywhere. Um, uh, but sometimes you don't, it, it's 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 different you know you feel safer elsewhere, like Amsterdam. they have a huge problem with uh they have with like race relations uh like i don't know if you know about like their their Christmas tradition of black people where they a lot of the folks over there dress up in blackface and uh play the census helper guy, and so that's been like controversial for years, and they still do it uh I had friends who got locked up last year uh, behind the protests on that. And, and, you know, you get over there and they have these issues, but it's still so much safer than the U.S. Um, and and that goes for everywhere that I've been. I had a – when I screened I – my first film was called Seeking Asylum, and it was about places black folks could go if you don't feel safe in the U.S. And when I screened it at the Virginia Film Festival – Um, There was a guy there that was like, you know, um, hey, you know, when I traveled the world, what I found was that there's nowhere we can go. Everyone, they don't, you know, they tell me that, hey, we don't like Americans and things. I was like, no, they don't have a problem with black Americans. Like, I've been in London where they were like, you know, it's like, it's not you guys. It's the rest of y'all over there. You know what I mean? Mm. And so, right. And so, like, even like, look at North Korea, like North Korea is talking all this shit. But it ain't us that they mad at. <laughs> like Dennis Rodman is his own boy. You know what I mean? And even like you're right during the, during like the Clinton uh, the Clinton campaign. I mean, not the Clinton campaign, the Clinton presidential back in the '90s. I think there was this one. I remember this one incident where they were trying to negotiate to get um, some hostages home, and the country was like, "No, we don't don't send your president over here. Send Jesse Jackson. We want to talk to the black. We want to talk to the black man. <laughs> you know what I mean?" Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, and so the world is like that. So they are like listen. We know y'all is just as oppressive. Uh, it, ain't, it ain't y'all we mad at. It's the the attitude of the rest of the of the rest of your country.
1: Yeah, I, I can imagine. I think, like some some people that are not from America, that I've spoken to. They, I asked them. I said, "What do you think of when you hear the word America?" And they said, "Bully." And yeah, like, and damn. and that's it.
0: And that's the truth, because I mean, look at like, um, look at like the whole terrorism thing that's happening. Like, Trump is all—he's all like, you know, we got to put a Muslim ban on on the uh, on travel and so and so. And I'm like, listen, if y'all if y'all stop bullying people, like I always say, one man's one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. Because the U.S. like, what do you think these people are going to do? You go over there and you kill the entire family. And as soon as that man says he wants to give revenge for his dead child, it's like, no, we got to keep him from coming into this country. Like, it's, you know, we are a country of bullies, and that's, and that's what's been happening uh, for years, for years. And so now they're trying to do some work to keep the people who they've oppressed from seeking revenge, you know, and, and that's what it is. Like, we are a country of bullies, but it ain't us. It ain't the oppressed people that's going out into the world oppressing other people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the white folks that's doing it. And it's like, uh, don't mess it up for us. Like, I was in London uh, at a hostel one time, and these girls were in there talking, and it's like the white girls, and they were like, you know, they're talking to me, and they were like, you know, we just hate white American men. And she was like, I, we just hate hate them. She's like, but you guys, you know, black folks, you guys are welcome here anytime you want to come. You know? And, and that's what it was.
1: You know what, That's been a, I'm, that, I was going to ask what were some, um, well, well, let me go ahead and ask this first. What are some countries that people need to be mindful of while traveling due to any tensions or internal conflicts or even with them dealing mm-hmm. with Americans a certain way or viewing them a certain way?
0: Yeah, um, I me, myself, I, I've never experienced any issues while traveling, but I have friends who, Gone to uh, Moscow and had issues um, where they were jumped in an alley by uh, a group of Russians. Um,
1: were they? American? I have
0: my friends were American,
1: yeah, All right. and they were
0: black American. They were black American, yeah. crazy, okay. and um, um I, I actually I do have issues with. excuse me, I do have issues with, uh, Belgium. Like it's not a, whenever I'm in Belgium, I just feel uneasy and uncomfortable there. Uh, Um, uh, because they have, they have a a long history of, uh, killing Africans, uh, and African people like King Leopold killed more, uh, Africans than Hitler killed Jews, but no one talks about it because they were black lives. They got lost. They got, they, they were murdered. You know what I mean? So, um, so Belgium is just like this this very strange vibe. Uh outside of that, I really haven't been places where that I would advise people not to go except the US. I would t- tell black people to get out of here. And <laughs> but outside of that, there there's no place that I've been where I felt uh uncomfortable and mistreated uh, by the people there.
1: So, where are some black-friendly places that people can go to?
0: Oh man, um, shoot! South Af- well, Johannesburg, South Africa. Cape Town is still kind of kind of strange. It's a strange place, um, but South Africa as a whole is a great place for black folks to go. Um, Norway is amazing. Uh, Morocco is pretty dope, which is crazy because I got a lot of like West African friends who were like, man, don't go to Morocco. It's just kind of lame over there. They, you know, they don't really, they not really black, black. And I got to Morocco. As Soon as I got like into the city, everybody there was like, brother. Oh man, you black men. You like me. And I'm like, Oh shit. Y'all black for real. <laughs> okay. And so, uh, Morocco, yeah, Morocco's dope. um, Barcelona's cool. Uh, yeah, uh, London. I had I had a great time in London. Copenhagen. I had a, I had a great time. Abu Dhabi. I had a great time. Dubai wasn't really for me, but like Oman is pretty dope. East Europe is kind of strange. Like I, I had a great time in Prague and and Berlin too. Berlin is, is really dope. Um, but once you go a little further east, it gets kind of it gets kind of strange. Like you know we had the issue with the brother that was killed over in Greece a couple months ago mm-hmm. uh, by the group of by the group of guys. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, you know, just check into it, but I, I, the world is, I feel like the world is a pretty decent place, most places are, but then there are those one or two that just fucks it all up for everybody.
1: Right. So what is your favorite country? I know you said, of every place that's been dope, that's been friendly, but what was your favorite country where you're like, damn, I need to... I always got to come back here. I must come back here.
0: Uh, Amsterdam, which is strange because I talked all that shit about them in the, <laughs> and, their, and, their, <laughs> and their racist ways. But the vibe, like the vibe I get when I'm in Amsterdam. And now when I go, it's kind of like home. Cause I have like, I have friends that live there and like black friends who live there. And they showed me like a whole different side of Amsterdam that, um, that a lot of folks wouldn't get to see if You're just traveling through. Mm-hmm. And, I have a great time there. They're, they're building a, a Black Cultural Archive Center over there that's, that's amazing um, and showing more of the culture. And so it's a great place. The freedoms that are there, you know, a lot of people, they're like, oh, I want to go to Amsterdam so I can smoke. Uh, and it's and legal and, and it's good, but I'm not a smoker. Um, but what, what happens is when you're in a place where most things are legal, the people are a little bit, more laid back, they're not so uptight about things. You know, life is a little bit easier, and so all of that bit, like just pours into the streets and into the into the vibe. And so I really love Holland as a whole, um, and Amsterdam itself as a city. Uh, pretty, it's pretty great.
1: That's pretty cool. I've always wanted to go because um, I I don't smoke, but I've always wanted mm-hmm. some um, some wooden shoes. I feel like that's the wrong country. I feel like that's like the Netherlands. But either way, no, they, I no, they damn- no, they do it. They do it. No, that's it. Good. I want some damn wooden clogs. I'm going to floss yeah, out yeah, yeah. when I get back. Go,
0: when go I get <laughs> I, go back, I go back at least uh, once a year uh, in April, but I try to go uh, anytime I'm in Europe, I try to slide through there if I'm close enough or well, if a ticket's cheap enough while I'm there.
1: Understood. Now, I'm glad you mentioned if it's cheap enough. So, your base... Out of L. A. and Johannesburg, South Africa, right? Correct. How were you able to just transition your whole life and your business to South Africa? Because I know L. A. and South Africa—that's some distance.
0: Yeah. Uh, strange. What uh, What happened? I went to South Africa for a film festival in 2016, and. I like soon as I got there again, it was like, like I can still like as soon as I arrive in a place, I can feel the vibe of it. And so soon as I landed, I was like, this is going to be a dope, this is going to be a dope experience. I've never been so welcomed in a place, like even my own home, like the people in, in Johannesburg were so welcoming. And what happened, I got to the airport to leave and the airline messed up on my seat. Um, and so I was like, listen, just, I don't need to fly out today. Just give me a free flight to, re- to return on a round trip ticket, and I'll take it, and I'll just fly out tomorrow. And they were like, oh, great, fine. So I took it, went home, and I called the friends that I made. And I was like, you know, in a couple months I'm going to come back. And they were like, yeah, okay, okay, whatever. And so that was in March. In August. I called my friend Natalie, and I was like, hey, look, go check out this apartment for me. So she went over, and she was like, oh, it's nice. I said, I'm going to send you the money, give it to the man. I'm moving in a couple days. And that's what happened. I called the airline with that free ticket I had, booked the flight, and I was out. And it was crazy because I forgot to – again, I told you I don't plan. I think I was in South Africa for about a week and a half before, like, my family even knew I was gone. My mom called me one morning, and I'm, I'm asleep. And she's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm, I'm sleeping. What's happening? She's like, "What are you sleeping? It's early. I was like, oh, it's 4 o'clock here. She's like, where are you? I'm from South Africa. She's like, oh, my God. Well, just be safe. <laughs> and uh, I was like, yeah, I, I moved a week ago, so uh, <laughs> I'll call you when I wake up. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so it, it, it's been that way. Um, and I just it was easy for me because, like, this is, that's been my life, like, to just go. Like I said, you just go out there and you make it work. Like, I got out there, and it's different to live somewhere than to be a visitor. So the first time I was there, I was just a visitor, you know, and I didn't need to know where things were. I didn't need to know how to get to places. So when I moved there, this was the first time I'd moved out of the country. And so I'm sitting in my apartment um, on, a mattress, on a mattress that my homeboy gave me because he lived up the street. And, like, this blanket that one of my neighbors had, freezing. And I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know if I made the right move. So I had to really just teach myself in that first couple of days, like, shit, okay. I need to find a grocery store. I need to find a furniture store. I need to find all of these things today. Um, And so learning how to navigate that world. It's like like when you're thrown into it. When you're thrown into the water, you, you figure out how to swim. You figure out how to survive. You will survive. And So that's what happened. I just had to survive. Um, and you know, it only took me what like a week and a half, and everything was good. I was like, cool. Got my Wi-Fi set up. Uh, got got all my utilities taken care of. Rent's being paid. Okay, we good. And now I just got to make some friends. And now I got to build relationships. Let's make this happen. Just out so It was a smooth transition. Uh, February seventeenth. Aquarius. I'm Aquarius. Okay, mm. that makes sense. Damn. <laughs> You're I'm like the epitome. So of, I'm the epitome of the Aquarius.
1: <laughs> it sounds like it. It's just like, damn. Like the more, cause I have, a, mm-hmm. I have an artist friend who actually wants to move to Africa. He's from LA, and he wants to transplant, okay. move to Africa at some point in time. And he's an Aquarius. And it's just like I just see so many parallels. It's it's just really it's <laughs> interesting. But I'm sorry, it's been a smooth transition, though. Oh no, yeah, cinema. It's it's amazing. Yeah, the transition. But the, yeah, the transition was was
0: for me. It, it was easy. I have friends who come and um, they didn't like it because it wasn't as easy for them like they were like I'm an extrovert I suppose kind of I think the older I get them the, the, the less I become but um, it was easy for me to get out there and make friends hit into the streets I don't mind doing things by myself and learning the streets um, to have friends who couldn't transition is easy um, and they might have been there for four months uh, five months. It was like, okay, I'm going home. I can't do this anymore. Um, so it wasn't bad. That's dope. So
1: energetically, I know, and again, this is up for debate because you already know we have so many debates about indigenous versus Africa, both, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. But, you know, how does it feel to have your business and now being based in what we know as the motherland?
0: If, you know, it feels, it feels pretty amazing. Um, the I, I think my first week there I was like, damn, this is probably what James Baldwin felt like when he moved to France. Like I was like dancing in my apartment. It was pouring down raining outside. It was like this great day. Uh-huh. You know, and I was like, damn, this is this is what it feels like. Like this is the shit they're gonna write about in fifty years after I'm dead and and folks are like, damn he did that. This is this is the apartment Darnell lived in. Oh shit. Yeah, you know, like I, it felt kinda like that. Yeah. You know, and then it just becomes this thing that just is, it becomes very normal to me and so it's not even uh until someone else brings it up it's just a thing it's like hey yeah i'm breathing i'm blinking oh, i'm living in south africa and then someone's like man you living in south africa and you're doing this oh shit um man that's pretty cool and i'm like oh yeah i guess so and so what i wanted so what i've done while being there is open my place up to whoever wants to come so like i have friends who when I'm not there, they'll be like, "Hey, is a place open? Can I get the key?" I'm like, "Yeah, just go. You can stay there as long as you want. I don't give a shit." Or, uh, and then I've also turned it into, like I said earlier, like an artist residency where I, I let artists come in um, to create their art um, outside of America, and so I use it for that. So they get that experience of, "Oh shit, I'm, I'm creating shit outside of this space, and I'm now here in the in the." Quote unquote motherland. Uh, although South Africa is a very, can be very white in some places. Um, but, so it's cool and it feels good and it feels great to be able to open that up for other people. Like I actually went back um, in August with every intention to um, pack my stuff up and move. And, cause I was gonna go to France for a year after South Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got back there and I was like, you know what? I think I could I think I could stick this out for a while longer and so I just um got a, I got another place now, um, that I'm gonna keep for a year because I feel like there are more people who are like, I wanna get over there and I wanna see it and now I can go ahead and facilitate that as well. So it's pretty
1: cool. So what is Africa like? Like I mean, is it is it similar to America in certain ways in terms of like housing or or you know like like it's hard to explain what I mm-hmm. what I mean, but what is Africa like?
0: Yeah, uh, well, South Africa is, is strange. So, like, um, South Africa is, is very unique in that just t- what twenty three years ago, uh, twenty plus years ago, they just got out of the apartheid. Mm-hmm. So they were in. in a whole like a whole system of oppression that was extreme uh, that just ended, and so they're in a in a place where they're rebuilding themselves, uh, and from this very this place that was extremely white and ruled by the white upper class to trying to build themselves up where black folks on an equal um, playing field. And even playing field, and so it's it's very political. It's very uh, like for the for artists, for activists, it's an amazing place to be. Uh, like daily, I'm you know with my friends like uh, Alan, who comes over and we have like dope conversations about uh, like what it meant to live in, the, in in apartheid and how it was to be. You know, a kid growing up when Mandela was freed and uh, what that meant and what it means to, to be rebuilding and all this stuff. And so it, it kind of gives me this glimpse of to be able to see what America looked like outside of the Jim Crow South or, you know, during Reconstruction. It's kind of like, but with modern technology. And, it's, and so it's kind of, it's pretty dope. Like, it's, it's dope to see it and be a part of that. Uh, But it also gets to a point where it's very frustrating because you have folks who, who, like white folks over there who maybe don't know that apartheid is ended, and they have these attitudes that you have to remind them quick, like, hey, one, I'm not from here, and I will bust your ass, and two, like, you need to get your shit together, like, this is not your country. You're you're standing on stolen ground right now. And so it's... It could get to that point. I haven't had that issue in Johannesburg, but it can it happens like outside. Like they have a town in South Africa called Aranya where black folks aren't even allowed to come into. Mm-hmm. So, like still, and like, 2017. Like they will kill you upon arrival if you try to get in there.
1: Wow, some of some of that stuff sounds kind of familiar here at home, um, with people not changing with the times.
0: Oh yeah, you get the you get the it's. it's Like, South Africa is a a reflection of the U.S., or the U.S. is a reflection of South Africa, if you're black um, and from either place. Like, you see so many similarities between the two.
1: That's a very interesting perspective. And and with the whole apartheid, you're right. It's only been 20-some years. And if America's struggling, what, 50, 60 years after? I mean, shit, almost what, 200-plus years after slavery ended? Like, if we're still struggling with that, like... I mean, right. that's, that's, exactly. yeah, that's, that's fucked up. But with this time in America, how important is it for us to have a passport? Oh man, it's,
0: it's very important. Like as, as right now, like you don't know, we don't know what the hell's going to happen. Like <laughs> tomorrow we could wake up and it'd be like, listen, us let me, go down. Uh You need to get out. Like to be able to, like that's a, it's a, we want to be free, but we limit ourselves. Like we, to not have a passport is to limit yourself so much. Like and like I said, like once you step foot outside of America, you're in the rest of the world, and so you don't get to create a world view if you haven't seen the world. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you don't get to. You don't get to see what what else is out there. Like it, it, it stunts your growth. Uh, in so many ways like all of my friends who were able to see the world as kids like um, and they, let's say I have two friends especially who come from big families they have one has eight brothers and sisters. So. he's the only one who when he was in high school he was able to get out there and see the world now he's the only one of them who is actually uh who's gone far in his dreams and his ambitions and his uh uh and and what he's aspired what he's aspired to do. Uh and like so it it gives you this thing where you get to see what's beyond your stop sign and you get to dream bigger and you get to you create bigger goals for yourself. Uh, and so it's it's so important. But then also when it's time to get the hell up out of here because the president's tripping, you might need to go. And most countries especially the our blue passport, the American passport is like platinum. Like there there are very few places we can't go. Um, and so if we can, if we're able to see it, we need to be able to see it. Like I, I got friends from South Africa who they can't go many, like South African passport, it goes a lot of places, but not, not that many. Um, and then some places they go, they have to pay for, uh, pay additional for. Damn, yeah,
1: um, I know that.
0: There are some, there are some countries that can't go anywhere. You know what I mean? So it's like. We we're not taking advantage of of what's out there. Um, I could be wrong, but I, the last time I checked uh, the statistics on Americans having passports, I think it was something like thirty percent. Um, and so, imagine if it's thirty percent of all Americans that have passports. Imagine the percentage of Black Americans that actually have passports. It's yeah. probably it's probably like ten percent or less, you know. And so, it's like, damn. And so I'm glad that there's this whole travel travel movement that's going on now where a lot of folks are traveling, a lot of folks are getting out, a lot of folks are starting travel companies. You know, like my friend Evita, she has a travel tribe that has over, like, 16,000 members in it. I mean, it's dope. Like, a lot of dope things are happening. Um, you have black and abroad that... Um, that's run by uh, another two friends of mine who who are doing great things, uh, and they're really pushing the pushing the movement of Black folks getting out there and going abroad. Uh, my homegirl Rachel travels; she's doing big things, and so it's it's, it's happening, and uh, it feels good. And, and my friend Rico, who uh, he just started um, an organization called Now Boarding, and what they're doing is giving young Black youth. Uh, putting passports in their hands so that they have access to the world and nothing can really limit them. And so we're trying to take limits off of, off of our people, and, and that's what's going on.
1: That's so dope. And for the clarity, y'all, I know it ain't no 200 years after no damn slavery. It's like 150-ish. I just have to correct that because I just can't let that right because my mental math sucks. But, yeah, it's like <laughs> 152-ish since you are talking about, you know, 1865 and all that. But, who. Um, but that's a really good point about passports and it's really you're right, it is a growing movement of people saying, Hey, I really can't travel but there are some people um who are still hung up about it and one of the listeners' submitted questions was that this person wanted to travel but they say they're too broke. And they're like, How how can I do it? I'm too broke. And listen,
0: I'm probably like I'm one, I'm cheap. Like I'm extremely cheap. And then two I'm also. I always say I'm broke, Um, and travel doesn't really cost that much money. Like the, it's all about what we want to spend our money on, though. And so that's the thing. Like last year, I went to five countries in Europe. That total trip cost me three hundred eighty-eight dollars. You know what I mean? And that included round-trip tickets and travel between countries and lodging. And that was for a week and a half. And so it doesn't cost that much. It's like, it's just what we want to spend our money on. I spent more money, like, I let's see, to get to Dubai, you know, we had the, the flight. It was a flight deal that happened. We paid, we paid $187 for a flight to Dubai. From where? From New York. Damn. They had a ticket today to Bangkok, Thailand, for $200 from New York or Los Angeles. We spend more than that in a weekend. You know, we have a birthday party. We have a birthday party. We're spending like three hundred dollars on decorations and cakes and all that stuff. When you don't need all that, like you can, you can take that money and buy tickets to Paris. They had tickets a couple months ago to Paris for ninety nine dollars. So it doesn't cost that much to travel, and that's what we need to tell. We need to start getting people to believe it. Like they say, and we we've heard it so much because the people we see traveling are going to spend. Spending thousands, I got a cousin who just spent two thousand dollars on a trip, and I'm like, why didn't you call me? I could have got you that trip for like three hundred dollars. And again, from like I travel differently from a lot of uh, folks that I know and the folks that I grew up with, and black folks, especially black folks like me, I don't mind staying in hostels. Um, but black folks are like, I ain't staying in no hostels. You must be crazy. But if I'm if all I'm doing is uh, using it as a place to sleep, and all I got to pay is five dollars a night why am I going to pay $200 a night for a hotel? Yeah. You know what I mean? That's $195 I could be using for something else. Like travel doesn't cost that much. If you want to pay for the luxury and all that other stuff, then that could get expensive. But if you, just, if you want to travel for travel's sake and to explore and to learn other cultures and to, and to learn about yourself and to get out there, travel is extremely cheap.
1: That's a really good point. Um, another question, I think that's interesting, you brought up the whole hospital um, and place to lay your head, because the next listener submitted a question was, "I want to take a trip solo overseas, but I'm scared. How can I travel mm-hmm. alone but be safe?"
0: Again, it's it's being open to the world and 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 using your using your common sense, of course. But most places that I've gone, I've gone alone, and I've met people who are traveling alone. And what's what's even um, funnier is that most solo travelers I meet are women. Um, because I always hear women tell me, you know, I'm a woman, you know, you can travel alone because you're a man, but I'm a woman. It ain't safe for me. I meet more solo travelers that are women than, than men. And because men rarely travel alone, um, that I've seen in my experience. Um, so you just get out there and you, and you use your common sense, of course. And you, you know, you know, who not to trust. If, if, if negative energy appears, you don't trust that person. Um, but just, if you need to plan it out, plan it out. Like, hey, I'm going to go here. This is where I'm going to stay. Send information to your family if you need to do that. Um, but just go and have fun. And don't worry about, you know, like, when I travel alone, I get to places. And let's say I'm staying in the hostel. There's people in the hostel that they'd be like, hey, I'm going on this tour today. I'm going to eat here. Do you want to go with me? You should come on and hang out. So although you're traveling alone, you still make friends. Like, don't close yourself off to making friends while you're out there. Because uh, that could... And that could um, ends you up in a whole different place. Like, we went to uh, Morocco, and the folks I met in Morocco was like, you know, we're waking up tomorrow morning at 5 a.m., and we're going to another part of Morocco uh, in the out in the desert. You should come. All right, cool. That sounds good. Let me check out, and I'll go with y'all. And so you end up in different places. And what happens is now when you travel the world, you have friends who live in London. You have friends who live in Paris and uh in Nigeria and everywhere else, that's like, hey, you know, yeah, I'm coming, to, I'm coming to your hometown. Uh, can I stay with you? And then, you know, you build this up, and your world expands that way.
1: That's pretty dope. That's especially with the women thing because a person, the person who asked this question was a woman. So I've, mm-hmm. and that's really interesting how you answered that because that that addresses her concern perfectly. So what are your travel must-haves? Because if you're traveling with more than likely a book bag, right, like what are some things you mm. absolutely have to have?
0: I got to have my headphones, especially if I'm sleeping in a room with like 26 other people sometimes. And so you never know what you might hear in the middle of the night. So, I, you know, <laughs> I just want to have, have my headphones in, and I need to have my lotion outside of, and some soap and a toothbrush. Outside of that, that's it. Like I got a, I got a hoodie that I, I take everywhere. Oh um, but yeah, outside of that, that's, like, that's, that's really all I
1: need. So you basically, know, uh, you eat music, don't be musty and don't be ashy. That's what tied like to me.
0: That's it. <laughs> that's <laughs> ab- that is absolutely <laughs> it. Like, it's, you know, you, you take some cheap clothes, like some, some joggers or some cheap shoes, but lotions, headphones, and a toothbrush, and you're good.
1: I hella respect that because normally people would say, okay, well, I need to bring this, I need to buy clothes or these kind of mm-hmm. shoes. So I just said it's really right. interesting that that was not on your list at all.
0: And see, and that's why I make, uh, like, my the people who travel with me, that's why I make them take nothing more than a backpack. I'm like, you. I say anything that, and it can't be more than 20 pounds. So you got a back, a 20-pound backpack, if it doesn't fit in that, then you can't bring it. And so it takes some of them like a month. They're like, I don't know what to put in there. Like one, like we leave tomorrow for another trip to so, uh, we're going to Ecuador. Oh, that's on fire! Oh, it's gonna be so dope. It's gonna be amazing. Like because you know it's like they have this point where it's the middle of the world. It's like where the longitude and latitude line meet. So it's it's that like location zero on the map. Oh,
1: that's Which is fire. pretty
0: dope. Yeah, it's pretty dope. It's like where the equator just goes straight through the country. And it's it's dope. Like so, we're all looking forward to. It. But they're still writing me like. So, about this backpack, what uh, do I need <laughs> to bring this? Uh, what about this? What about this? I'm like, <laughs> <Negotiated>. <laughs> oh, And even though we, you know, like the airline allows for two full ass 50 pound bags to, <laughs> to check on the flight, I'm like, nope, you get a 20 pound backpack. Outside of that, you don't get to bring
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's dope. Now, is there anything else that you want us to know about you or your artistry or your films or, or your traveling? Uh let's see.
0: Well, um, so I I'm 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 huge on um black mental health. Uh so travel for me is a form of self care. So I created a film, uh, called Outside the House where I talk about black mental health and why we don't share our uh our issues and why we but but why we should share our issues. And so, um I just want folks to start their journey of self-care, you know, if it doesn't make you happy, if it if it takes away from who you are, if it's keeping you from living your best life or whatever that is, um, then that's the reason, that's cause for you to look into it. Like my friend Omar says, if, if, it, if it keeps you from living your best life, then that's enough for you to stop and say, Hey, maybe I need to look into this. Um, uh, and so I really, I'm really just pushing that out there. Uh and now we're working on another film. Uh, now that should be out next year. With, we're exploring uh, rape culture around the world and how we need to end that. Just trying to trying to change the world, really.
1: That's some good topics. I, I think you. I mean, you sounds like you've already made an impact on the world around you through your own journey. I know through your artistry, you're just gonna do even more. Um, with that. So I'm really excited. Please keep me posted with whatever you got going on with that. Please. I
0: definitely will. I definitely will. And I appreciate the time you gave uh, for having me on here, too.
1: You to come on a trip. That's what I'm thinking about, to be honest. You know. Let's
0: make that happen. We're going to make it happen. We're going to figure something out. We're going to on
1: a trip. For sure, so, for sure. So. Now, how can people get in touch with you?
0: Um. So I'm, uh, I have darnellwalker.com. Um, so they can go on there. My contact information is on there. Uh, WhatsApp, email as well. Uh, if anybody wants to reach out about uh, mental health or uh, travel, uh, my travel site is passportrequired.com. dot um, If anybody wants to see the film on mental health, it's outside the house. dot So, outside the house. dot com. Um, but I'm all over the internet, man. Darnell Lamont Walker, uh, so my contact information is everywhere. I have about a million blogs out there and so if anybody needs to find me, they can find me, but those websites have all my information. Darnellwalker.com has my email and my WhatsApp number if anybody wants to shoot me a message about anything.
1: I definitely would like to check out the documentary. Like I'm on the website. Like I I'm sorry, I had to jump on it real quick so I could oh, I pull up the it. website. <laughs> so I really want to check it out. I'm I'm excited.
0: Oh, let me know what you think. Definitely.
1: Okay, cool. And that was this week's episode with Darnell Lamont Walker. I hope you guys enjoyed this interview. I mean... Whether it's using your voice for creative self-expression or, you know, using your self-expression to speak up against injustices or even learning how to better uh, travel or be a better planner with traveling or just getting the urge to travel. I hope you guys learned something from Darnell's story. I know I definitely did. And I will be traveling a lot more in the near future. But if you guys would like to find me, you can do so at spiritualhomegirl.com. I'm finally removing the site and getting it tightened up the way it needs to be. So thank you guys for your patience. And um, as we've gotten that together, I'm also on Instagram on Facebook and YouTube at spiritual home girl. And I'm also on Twitter at spirit home girl. I have a lot of things in the works, and I'm super excited. I have a lot of uh, ideas. I always say this, but I have a lot of ideas that I would like to provide to you all with the last quarter of the year coming up. I feel like I've been interviewing and interviewing. and just have so many things I want to share with you all. So thank you all for riding with me. I really appreciate it. Ten months ago, I did not know what the hell I was going to do with this show in terms of regrouping and trying to elevate it one step at a time. And I'm really glad that I'm able to have a person on camera work now you know as well as a person that produces my episodes like it sounds so much better like I'm really happy so I know I gave y'all gratitude early in this episode for listening but I just want to shout out those who helped me with this show whether it's interviews whether it's editing or you know input I just really appreciate that so I'm just I'm just in such a loving mood today there's nothing but gratitude thank everybody damn it thank all y'all My name is Maria, and this has been another episode of the Spiritual Homegirl Podcast. Trust the journey and trust yourself. Peace.